Well, it's the uh, second Sunday in Advent. We lit the uh, peace candle at the start of the service. So yeah, may the peace of Christ be with you. But let me confess before I get into my message today, it's on an issue that uh, should bring us peace when properly uh, understood, but truth be told, it often creates tumult. There's a saying about preaching that good preaching comforts the afflicted, and that's kind of what happened uh, last week as we looked at hope, as we looked at Jesus, the light piercing our dark world. It was awesome to hear back from so many of you on how God used that message to pierce some darkness in your life. It was really awesome. But on the other side of that expression, good preaching doesn't just comfort the afflicted, good preaching afflicts the comfortable, and that might happen for some of you this morning. Today, we want to explore the uh, fact that Christmas is all about generosity, and, and we're not just talking about being generous with our money, but we are talking about that. But we need to be generous in every way, with our time, with our abilities, with our stuff, with our words. So for many of us, yeah, December's a bit of a materialist frenzy. It's a shop-to-drop kind of month where you're looking for the right Christmas present for the loved ones in your life, and we spend a huge part of this month just thinking about stuff. Hey, December's the only month of the year where everybody forgets the past, everybody forgets the future, and focuses on the present. You might have to think on that one for a minute. Let me ask you a question. Where do you think the idea of gift-giving at Christmas comes from? I think some of you would answer Christmas gift-giving started with the wise men who brought gold, Frankenstein, and Myrtle. Right, not quite that. That's the Sunday school version, but some of you will remember that. But yeah, those presents of Jesus to Jesus, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, extravagant gifts for the worship of Jesus. Uh, that's where Christmas gift-giving comes from, Right. Well, we need to back up a little bit and see that the first gift at Christmas was the gift that God gave us. You, you see the communion station set up front here for our communion worship at the end of the service. They picture this first gift of Christmas, the gift of Jesus who came to give his life for us. It's what the Apostle John tells us in that very familiar scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We're celebrating that at the end of our service. And if you're watching online, you might pause and get some bread and juice so that you can participate in communion with us. The Apostle Paul says to us, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We give because God first gave to us. At its core, Christmas is all about generosity. It starts with God's generosity towards us, and then it calls followers of Jesus who want to live in love like Jesus to be sacrificially generous like Jesus. Friends, if we take Jesus seriously, if our faith is at all real, we must let the reality of God's extreme generosity grip us and motivate us. I mean, if it weren't for God's generosity, you and I would have nothing. The air we breathe, the blood coursing through our veins, these are God's good gifts to us. If God was not a generous God, we would not exist. This planet would not exist. Listen to these words of the Apostle John from the Message Translation. We all live off of His generous abundance, gift after gift after gift. That is simple truth. And here's what we who follow Jesus need to be. God wants you to learn to be generous as he is generous. That's what it means to live in love like Jesus. God generously gave his life for us as is pictured in the communion stations, and he generously gives us all things. 
We simply need to learn to be generous in all things like Jesus. We need to be generous with our gratitude. When you thank people, just don't say thank you. Express some depth as you give thanks. Be generous in the way you say thank you. Be generous in how often you say thank you to other people. We need to be generous with our service, uh, serving other people. I mean, that could be here at Fort City. It, it could be clearing snow from your neighbor's driveway. It, it might even be doing laundry or cooking a meal at home if you're not the one who normally does that. And we need to be generous with our giving. Do it thoughtfully, do it voluntarily, do it cheerfully. And yes, here at Fort City, the month of December is the month where we ask you to be generous over and above what you normally give. This is the month where we ask you to consider uh, uh, doubling what you would normally give. And uh, yeah, that's a big ask, I know. And if you've hung around here at all, you've heard me say that the finances have been tough for us throughout the pandemic, that the fast past four months have been by far the toughest months financially for the city in the time that I've been here. And I'm just so thankful for those of you who've been so generous in your giving, but retirements, people moving out of the city, pandemic dropout and things like that have taken their toll on our finances big time. Back in 2019, 104,000 was given in the month of December. That was awesome. A year ago, that dropped to 94,000. That was still incredibly awesome. This year, we've lowered our goal to 70,000. With how we've cut back our spending to make things work, reaching that 70,000 goal will allow us to end the year well. And I believe with God at work among us, that goal is possible. It's possible if most of us do a little extra giving, even some sacrificial giving this month. So will you choose to be generous in every way? Generous with your praise, generous with your service. Will you also choose to be generous with your giving and help us stabilize our financial situation here at Fort City? You'll see ways on the screen that you can do that. You can go to fortcity.info and follow the links there. Uh, this would be, I mean, that would just be so huge. We're, we're really praying for a Christmas miracle. Now, sometimes people ask, how much should I give? Okay, truth is, not many people ask that. Still, I want to challenge you what, what biblical giving looks like. This is where a little discomfort is going to rise. I get that, so hang in there. And listen thoughtfully, listen prayerfully, and see if you might sense that this is something God is asking of you. If not, no worries, really. Friends, giving that honors God is worship, that pushes back on the materialism that grips us all and says, you, Lord God, are my first priority. Giving is where we partner with God, what he's doing through his church to see lives transformed now and forever. Giving becomes an eternal investment in the lives of others. In the Old Testament, the giving standard was called the tithe. It meant the first 10% off of the top of your income. It was given to support the work of the temple and the people who worked for the temple in the Old Testament. Yeah, 10%. That sounds real scary to most of us. Like, what a bizarre, crazy idea. But the Old Testament prophet Malachi, he, he, he made a big deal of giving the whole tithe and looking to God who enables us to give. Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, uh, not, well, there will not be room enough to store it. As New Testament followers of Jesus... We're under grace, not Old Testament law. We're encouraged to be sacrificially generous. We're encouraged to voluntarily give to support God's, God's work. 
It's a requirement. It's not a requirement. It's not a law. Rather, it's an invitation. An invitation to participate in, in what God's doing. It's an invitation to invest our money in a way that will have impact beyond our own lives. Here's how the Apostle Paul expresses the giving standard for churches. On the first day of every week, each of you should uh, set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So take a look at that phrase, uh, in keeping with your income. What the Apostle Paul has in mind is that each of us would give a, a, a percentage of our income every Sunday at church. And you have to understand that in Paul's mind, the Old Testament standard was 10%. <clears throat> in his mind, as a Jewish believer, he's got 10% in his thinking. But because as followers of Jesus, we live in an era of grace and freedom, Paul knows that what we give is like our own choice. But is Paul lowering the giving standard? Probably not. I suspect that he himself was still giving at the same level that he gave when he was a Jewish Pharisee. In his mind, we could give more, we could give less. You could probably think of that Old Testament 10% as kind of a biblical benchmark. Not a rule, but perhaps a goal to reach or even exceed. Yeah, I know, that statement just made a few of you a little uncomfortable. Some of you, when you hear that, just shut down. Someone says, let me get out of here. So relax and remember, giving should be thoughtful, voluntary, and cheerful. It's not a rule to follow. It's an invitation to voluntarily partner with what God is doing in our city and in the world. You know, Jesus made an interesting statement about tithing when he said, he's talking to the Pharisees here. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Do you see what Jesus is doing there? He's not doing away with tithing. He's telling the Pharisees and the religious teachers, yeah, you should keep tithing. It's a good thing. But don't think that by your tithing, that's going to make you a, a godly person. Don't think that by merely giving money, you're off the hook for things that are core to what it means to follow Jesus, you know, to love God, to love your neighbor. Yes, it is good that you give, but it's not the most important part of the picture. What's really important is to be a person who practices justice, who is full of mercy, who is faithful in all ways to the Lord our God. Jesus says to these religious leaders, hey, Keep giving 10%, but you also got to love other people as God loves. In other words, you got to be generous in, in, in every way, not just in your giving. But Jesus is encouraging us to be generous with our giving. Now, because most of you uh, were not brought up in a first century Jewish home, the idea that when Paul says that we're to give a portion or a percentage of our income back to God, we, we don't think 10%. Heck, most of us struggle to think of 1% or 2%. So here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to help you to, help you to start thinking about a God-honoring approach to your giving. I want you to prayerfully consider God's invitation to partner with Him in this city and in our world. Friends, God has designed the church to represent Him to a world in need. And our city and our world are in desperate need. 
And God has designed his church to be funded by the sacrificial percentage giving of his people who understand that when they give, they honor God and as they give to the one institution that changes lives forever. So if you take Jesus seriously, if you really do desire to live a life that honors God, you will be a sacrificial percentage giver to the work of God through your local church. So here's where the ask comes in. But you need to see this as an invitation to partner with God. So the ask or the invitation is, would you make a commitment to percentage giving? Would you pick a, <clears throat> a sacrificial percentage of your income, a, a percentage that you can give cheerfully, even if it hurts a bit, and give it every week or every month, and, and maybe sign up for automated giving to do that? I get I'm dabbling in a deeply personal area. Truth is, we are gripped by materialism. We're in bondage to money. I include myself when I say that. But Jesus wants to break the bondage materialism has on us and invite us to a higher level of living as we discover that part of our purpose in life is to partner with God through our generosity. That's not just money. That's also time. That's your abilities, your words. We are to partner with God in all ways with our generosity. Now, if my raising this idea of tithing or percentage giving causes you to get a bit uptight or angry, relax, because then this ask isn't for you. It's only for people who are cheerfully willing to step up and give sacrificially for the worship of God as we get to be partners with the life-changing work God does in people's lives. But are you open to a challenge? Could you give 3% or 5% or could you even do as some actually do and give the whole tithe 10% or more? You, you might be surprised to know that some people actually do that, actually give 10% or more and experience God's blessing as they do it. There's one guy uh, who's been here and uh, he would write a check every time he got his uh, paycheck and uh, he'd write a check here and uh, he would do it right down to the very last penny, right at 10%. I don't think you have to be that precise, but it was his way of honoring God. And again, I know I'm dabbling. I'm dabbling with the biggest idol that we all have, myself included. And remember, this challenge is simply an invitation to participate with what God's doing through your church in our city. Remember, this is something that we do thoughtfully, voluntarily, cheerfully. In the end, this only happens when we choose to ask Jesus to break the idol of materialism and trust him with our finances. It is tough stuff. And churches get a rap, bad rap for preaching this stuff, and some deserve the bad rap. But for the people who embrace uh, sacrificial percentage giving, these people find purpose and meaning as they partner with God. Their faith grows more and more. There's something about being involved this way with God's work in the world that just lifts us up as we sense the blessing and the pleasure of our God. I know that's been my experience. Let's go back to the Apostle Paul. He says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, your heart needs to be able to say, yes, this is what I actually want to do. And as I've said, when we do this, giving stretches and strengthens my faith. Friends, 
The number one way that God tests your faith without a doubt is through your finances. Am I going to trust God or am I going to worry? Will I believe God's promises about money? And there's all sorts of promises. Here's a promise from Jesus. And I get that some preachers abuse this verse, but still these are the words of Jesus. Give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do you believe that? Because the more you give, the more you will experience God in ways that you never imagined. The more your faith grows. Giving is one way to tangibly experience God in your life. It's, it's a bit of a mystery how it all happens, but it's an awesome experience. The Apostle Paul says your giving proves the reality of your faith. Giving is an invitation to deepen your faith. Now as we go to communion... Let me remind you of one more thing that I've already mentioned that giving does for us, but giving just makes us more like Jesus. Look at these words from Paul. Jesus, who gave, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Jesus gave the greatest gift of all, his life for us. To live like Jesus is to give like Jesus, sacrificially. The bread and the juice that you see up front here picture the ultimate sacrificial gift. The, the bread pictures the body of Jesus nailed to the cross that purchases our salvation. The juice represents the blood of Jesus that washes us clean from sin and sets us free to live lives that flourish. And the Apostle John wants us to know that it was love that motivated this ultimate gift and ought to motivate us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Giving makes me more like Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward and pick up the packaged communion elements, and if you're watching online, uh, you can just, uh, yeah, do what works for you where you're watching. Now, those of you who are here, as you come forward, you are making a public statement. You are saying, I am a follower of Jesus. And... As you come forward, would you pray? Pray as you come forward. Um, just say something like this. Jesus, as I celebrate your death on the cross where, where you gave your life for me, I commit to being a sacrificial giver in every way. I, I just want to live and love like you. I mean, give thanks to Jesus. Commit your ways to Jesus as you come forward. And then when you come up to the table here, take the package communion elements to your seat. This is a time of worship between you and God. First, peel off the upper covering of the bread. Take the bread and eat it and give thanks for the gift of Jesus. After eating the bread, peel off the next layer and, and drink the juice and give thanks for the shed blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sin and sets us free. And then when you're done, take a moment uh, with Jesus. Just spend a little time with Jesus, even as the worship team is leading us, and say something like, God, I'll be a generous giver. With your help, I'll live and love like you. Also, our prayer team will be up uh, during communion and after communion. If you have any need on your heart, something that you sense needs prayer, our God is a generous God and delights to give to his children. As you come forward for communion, take some time to allow our prayer team to pray for you, and they'll be there at the service as well. And if you're watching online, you can message your prayer request to us. Before you come up and worship through communion, join me in prayer. Take this prayer and pray it on your own in a way that works for you. Just join me in prayer. Father God.
Everything I have is a gift from you. I would have nothing if it weren't for your generosity. Just, just let him know that. And as I consider this bread and juice, I marvel at how you so sacrificially gave so that I might have the gift of life now and forever. And Jesus, I invite you to come into my life with your gift of salvation, your gift of life. And as you fill me with your spirit, give me the faith to be a giver like you. Help me to learn to be a generous person. I want to live and love more like you. I want to break the grip of materialism in my life. I want to make my life, I want it to make a difference for eternity. Jesus, as I come forward to receive the elements that represent your body and blood, I thank you for your gift to me. I pray this in 